Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you are listening to the I Have ADHD podcast, episode number 55. I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am ready to roll. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. We celebrated Mother's Day this weekend. It was pretty good. I have so many things that I want to update you guys on in my life because I feel like you are my friends. So I'm just going to kind of like run down the list. First of all, I hope you are well. I hope you're having just like an amazing day today, whether you're listening in real time and it's the middle of May, or maybe you're catching this weeks or months or maybe even years later, which is completely mind-blowing to me. Hi. Listen, adult with ADHD, I know you. I get you. I understand you. I am you. We are the same. We are so the same. So I just wanted to say that you are not alone. You have found a home here. So if this is your first time listening, I just want to say welcome. You belong here. You are one of us now. You are together with us in this community of adults with ADHD who are educated and professional and who are wanting to move forward in very, very positive ways with their life. So I'm glad that you tuned in. I'm so, so, so glad. Welcome, welcome. Um, Okay, so updates on my life. I want to let you know that like I came to this realization that I was really not thriving at all, and I made some very massive, distinct changes for myself. So a couple weeks ago, um, you know, we are currently in quarantine for COVID-19, and we've been in quarantine for six or seven or eight weeks. I don't even know what time is anymore. It's not like an actual thing, so I really don't know, but it's been several weeks that we've been in quarantine in isolation with our family and um, homeschooling, working. My husband is also working. He's going into the office part-time. He is doing a ton of the uh, homeschooling, which is so amazing. And I realized after a couple weeks that the medication I was taking, which was a non-stimulant, which was working wonderfully for me, was no longer enough to keep me focused and on task now that the circumstances had changed so drastically. And it was a couple weeks of me like pondering that, thinking it through, trying to really gather some evidence and some data around that. And it kind of finally came to a head, a breaking point where I was like, okay, this is no longer working. I'm walking around with my head in the clouds. I'm not focused on anything. I'm really struggling to manage my time because there are so many interruptions and just all of the things that go along with having three boys at home uh, all the time, 24-7, while you're trying to run a business and, uh, you know, like 
coach clients and get things done. And then also take care of like the normal mom things and not be like a total jerk to your kids or your family. So I reached out to my doctor and it was so beautiful. Um, you know, there are some lovely benefits of this time period. I know that it's not all good. I totally get that. But I have kind of set my brain to find the good. And one of the good things is that I called the doctor and I got a same day appointment via telehealth. It was actually, it was absolutely incredible. And so um, I had a phone conversation with my doctor the day of, like the day that I called, which was so cool. And so I went back on a stimulant, which is news. That's like new information that I wanted to share with you guys because, um, you know, I'd been on a stimulant for a long time. And then when I started having my kids, uh, I went off and I hadn't been back on since then. So when I went back on medication about two years ago, my doctor suggested a non-stimulant. And because I had um, so many additional coping mechanisms and strategies and coaching and cognitive behavioral therapy and all of the things, um, I thought, you know what, maybe a non-stimulant would work. And I'm telling you, it did. It was lovely, especially because we had a predictable routine. My kids went to school. Uh, everything was kind of laid out for us. Even in the summertime, we had childcare, we had camp, we had you know the community pool, all of the things that kind of like set our schedule and kind of provided rhythm and structure and routine to our lives. Well, that, my friend, has all like gone out the window, out the window. And now we just have kids home all the time and I love them. They live here. They're allowed to be here. It's just that like I also have to work and I also have to use my brain and I really need my brain for like high level thinking, not just low level thinking, right? Like you can do the low level thinking tasks with interruptions, but the high level thinking tasks, you need space. So called the doctor. She was so kind. She was so kind. And um, you know, I've been seeing her. She's been treating me for a couple years now, and I just told her what was going on. I was like, this is not normal. I would really like some additional medication or a different medication. And she was like, no problem. So uh, it was super easy. Went back on a stimulant. It has really helped 100%. I notice a difference. I notice a very specific clarity that was not there before. And so even though I'm homeschooling, even though the schedule looks different, even though there's kids here all the time, I am able to kind of decipher the priorities and figure out what to do and um, kind of jumpstart myself to get it done. So I just want to encourage you to kind of take stock in your life. Is what you're currently doing working? Now that everything has changed with the quarantine and everything has changed with uh, probably your schedule and your structure and all of that, you might want to reach out to your doctor, to your psychiatrist, and say, hey, like during this period of time, until we get back to the normal schedule, the predictable pattern, um, maybe we should change things up. So I'm just throwing it out there. Listen, if you're functioning great, don't change anything. There's no reason to change anything if you're functioning well within the structure of what you currently have. But if you're not, don't be afraid to reach out for help. It's doable. You can 100% switch things up, even for a short period of time. So 
I was just talking to my dad last night who's also diagnosed ADHD and I was saying to him, you know, I don't know that I would continue on the stimulant post-COVID, post-quarantine. I don't really know. I will guess I just kind of need to see how it goes um, and see if I feel like I need it and also talk to my doctor about like which is more beneficial to me. I don't have the answer to that. My sense um, for myself and for all of my clients is whatever medication is working for you is the one that's the most beneficial, right? Like find an ADHD treatment plan that works for you. It's going to look different for you than it does for someone else, and that's okay. There's no one size fits all. You really have to be committed to figuring out what's going to work for you. And so for me, I've always had this thought process that's like, depending on the season of life, depending on what my life looks like, depending on my specific needs, that's how I am going to approach my treatment. That's how I'm going to ask my doctor for help is like, hey, this is what my life looks like now. What we're doing is not working. Can we switch it up? Um, And so I just want to offer that to you as well. And if you're on your journey to find medication, allow for it to take a while. It can take a while. Trust your doctor. If you don't like your doctor, find a new doctor. It doesn't mean that all doctors are bad. They're not. Doctors are amazing. There are really, really, really amazing doctors out there. So make sure that you connect with one of them um, and make sure that you know that you have options because if what you're currently doing is not getting you good results, then it's time to switch it up. So that's number one. Number two, wow, that took 10 minutes. I hope you guys are still with me. (laughs) Number two is that I realized that um, my business was trying to grow and I was standing in the way of it. So I realized over the course of a couple weeks and months, like, okay, I am hustling. I'm working really, really hard um, seven days a week usually. And like, that's not really the kind of lifestyle that I think is super healthy long-term. And I just knew that there were certain things that I just didn't know. Like there are certain ways that I needed to evolve and to grow. And so I chatted with Greg and decided that I was going to hire a coach specifically for my business. And that has been so fun. And again, it was centered around like, hey, what I was doing pre-COVID, pre-quarantine was working. I could get it done. But now the kids are home 24-7. I can't, I don't have like seven hours of my day that is kid-free. I just don't. So how do I get all of this done? And how do I not stand in the way from the business like growing the way that it wants to? And so I hired a coach who works specifically with moms who are scaling businesses because I really wanted someone who understood the like parent component. And especially like right now, With kids being home, like she has three kids at home, I have three kids at home, she has a huge business and has figured it out and has like a specific pathway and I basically hired her, gave her so much money and was like, could you please just think for me? Like I just really need someone to come in, look at my business overall and make some decisions from a top-down perspective and I just want to offer that like 
That is what a beautiful coaching relationship is. Whether you're coaching on your business or your marriage or your family or, you know, uh, goals that you have, inviting a coach into that and saying like, I have exhausted all of my own mental faculties for this. Now I need someone else, someone smarter than me, someone who's been down this pathway to use their own uh, mental faculties to like figure it out. And I'm just going to trust them. Um, that's just such a beautiful thing. So if you don't have a coach, you should totally hire a coach. If you want to work with me, that would be super fun. But if you don't, that's totally fine too. Just go get yourself a coach. I feel like every human being, ADHD or not, would make so much more progress in their lives if they were willing to invest the time and money in coaching. So that's my spiel. Like if you don't feel like what you're currently doing in your life is giving you the progress that you want to see, then be willing to switch it up. If that means a different medication, call your doctor. If that means need for therapy and um, working on trauma issues, then go find a psychologist or a counselor to help you with that. If that means hiring a coach to help you set specific goals and to kind of look at the overall of your life and pinpoint things that are like specific things that are going to propel you forward and also take away the things that are holding you back, then do that. But whatever it is, invest in yourself. If you need permission, right here, you got it. I'm granting you permission. If you feel like you need permission to invest in yourself, here you go. I'll co-sign it for you. You are worth investing in. Your life is worth investing in. There you go. Permission granted. Okay. As per my usual, I want to shout out one of my clients in Focus who is making incredible progress. This is from Courtney, who I worked with one-on-one and then she joined Focus. So this is so cool because I have a really special relationship with Courtney. So here's what she posted yesterday. She said, you know you're growing when you decide to thought download and model out the thoughts you're having about Mother's Day and the manuals we have for our spouses on this day to avoid feeling bitter and ruining the whole day for yourself. Last year, I would have just thrown my own pity party and pouted all day. This year, I'm in control of my thoughts and feelings. Thank you, Kristen Carter, for sharing your knowledge and inspiring me to do the work, which is creating better results in so many areas of my life. Courtney, first of all, you know I love you. Second of all, I am so so thrilled that you're implementing the coaching tools for yourself. So much fun. I should be videoing myself right now because literally my hands are in the air. I'm very excited today. I am excited and here is why. Well, first of all, just because I'm making a lot of powerful changes and powerful decisions in my life and it makes me feel like a badass boss. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like, Every time that you make a decision for yourself, you are doing something powerful. And I want you to know that. Like when you make decisions, you are creating power for yourself. So that's number one, why I'm very, very excited today. But also, I started reading a very good book, which was recommended to me by my client, Catherine. Shout out to you, Catherine. I know you're listening. Sending you all the love. Um, It is a book by... Russell Ramsey. 
And it's called Rethinking Adult ADHD, Helping Clients Turn Intentions into Actions. Now, this is a clinical book, so it's written for clinicians. Mostly, I believe it's written for cognitive behavioral therapists, Uh, but because I'm a big dork, I love it so much. I love learning about ADHD. I love learning about um, clinical practices for ADHD, and I love implementing them with my clients as well. And hello also myself. So today I wanted to talk about procrastivity, which is a term that I believe Russell Ramsey coined. And um, I know that you are going to relate to this 100%. And so I'm so excited to get your feedback on this because this is something that we all do, okay? So we have a goal in mind But we end up not doing the thing, but instead we do something else that feels important, that we think, oh yeah, like I should get this other thing done instead. Procrastivity, this is right, this is a direct quote from his book. So again, it's Russell Ramsey, Rethinking Adult ADHD. If you enjoy clinical textbooks, I highly, highly, highly recommend this. I also just want to take a second to shout out UPenn, the University of Pennsylvania Medicine. Um, I am about an hour and a half from here. I go to UPenn for major things. My family members have gone to UPenn for major things. There is no one better than UPenn. In the state of Pennsylvania, at least, there is no one better. It is amazing. So Russell Ramsey is a licensed psychologist and associate professor of clinical psychology in psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, he's amazing. He is amazing. I love that he lives near me. I'm going to reach out to him and see if we can be friends. I'm guessing the answer is going to be no, but still, I will reach out. Okay, so the book again is Rethinking Adult ADHD, and he coined the term procrastivity. Procrastivity refers to the phenomenon in which an individual makes a good faith plan to engage in a priority task, but when it comes time to perform the task, they engage in a lower priority, but still productive task. Okay, so this is what it means. You know how you want to get a new job and you've been thinking about it and you're like, I should totally get a new job or I should totally start that business that I've always wanted to start or I should totally, like you fill in the blank, it's like this big thing. But when it comes time to actually sit down and be like, okay, should I go on Indeed and upload my resume? Should I reach out to my contacts? Should I like buy an LLC name and like really go for it. Instead of doing that, we do things like clean, mow the lawn, or make returns, or do little things that sure, they need to be done, but they don't need to be done in that moment. It's a lower priority task, okay? Another good example would be something like wanting to get your taxes completed. And it's kind of just like looming, it's hanging over your head, and you watch yourself getting other things done that don't matter as much. It's like, oh, well, like, how can I start my taxes when clearly I should be doing the dishes right now? And you go and you do the dishes instead of finishing your taxes or starting your taxes, right? Procrastivity is self-defeating because the lower priority task is not as time urgent or as important as the high priority task. Okay, that's a direct quote from Rethinking Adult ADHD. 
Procrastivity is self-defeating because the lower priority task is not as time urgent or as important as the high priority task. So who really cares if you do the dishes or not? The answer is no one. But the IRS is going to care if you don't do your taxes. Okay, so what we with ADHD do is we put those lower priority tasks front and center because we know how to do them. They don't take much brain power. It's pretty obvious the three steps that we need to take to get them done. Okay, so Ramsey says that procrastivity tasks They're more clerical or manual in nature. Like everyone knows how to do the dishes. It's not something you have to think hard about. Everyone knows how to like make the bed and tidy your room. Might not be a task that you enjoy, but you know how to do it. Everyone knows how to mow the lawn and you know it's going to take you about an hour or two hours, right? It's not this thing where it's like, well, if I start mowing the lawn, like, God only knows how long it's going to take. It's like, no, there's an there's a start point and there's an end point. So it feels doable, okay? The procrastivity tasks that we put at high priority, even though they're not high priority, they feel very doable. They're obvious. We like can finish them pretty simply. We don't have to be like, okay, now like where do I start? It's like, well, you start with the dirty dishes, you rinse them, and you put them in the dishwasher, right? Like a seven-year-old can do it. I know this because I have little kids, right? But a seven-year-old can't do your taxes. Seven-year-old can't go out and find you a new job. A seven-year-old can't start that company that you've been wanting to start, right? So the procrastivity is like procrastinating, but it's procrastinating with activity, It's procrastinating with activity that like really probably should be done at some point eventually, but we move it into priority status to avoid doing the hard tasks. Okay? Are you with me? So let's take an example of, you know, we're in the middle of quarantine, maybe you've lost your job and you're like, dang, I should really find a job. I should find a job that I can do from home. I should find a job that I can do over the internet, that I can perform over Zoom. But every time you kind of set that look for a job time aside, you find yourself doing things around your house, like paying bills, doing the dishes, mowing the lawn, helping your kid with their school project, right? Instead of sitting down to use your brain's power on finding a job. Because here's the thing, when I say find a job, first of all, all of us are overwhelmed with crippling fear, anxiety, uh, self-doubt, right? Because my goodness, that task is huge. When I say go do the dishes, you're like, okay, I don't like doing the dishes, but fine, I'll just go do them right? There's not much fear, anxiety, and self-doubt wrapped up in a clerical or manual task like mowing the lawn, doing the dishes, okay? So when we have this big goal that we want to accomplish, oftentimes we put lower priority tasks in front of it and we procrastinate getting it done for a very long time. So here's the thing, 
What I want you to start doing is noticing this happening. Being aware is number one goal that I want to set for you for this week. Just start to notice when you're engaging in procrastivity. Start to notice when you're like, oh, I said that I was going to start my taxes, but now I notice that I'm doing laundry. Huh. I wonder why that is. And really call yourself on your BS. Okay, this is like one of the secrets to being a higher functioning human with adult ADHD is calling yourself on your BS, just like noticing it. Now, I'm not saying shame yourself. I'm not saying call yourself a failure or beat yourself up. That's all I'm saying at all. Just notice it. Like, oh my gosh, look at what I'm doing. I'm doing the laundry in an effort to avoid job search. Okay. Notice that. And then you can ask the question, why? Why am I avoiding job search? Oh, I understand. It's because it's hard. It's because I'm not sure what to do. It's because I am overwhelmed with self-doubt and fear of failure and just not, you know, maybe confusion as well, right? We love to indulge in confusion. Okay, another thing that I want you to start noticing are your task-demoting thoughts. This is something that Ramsey uh, mentions, and I love this phrase, task-demoting thoughts. So let's say you're like gearing up to look for that job. You're like, okay, today, after lunch, as soon as I'm done eating, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start working to find a job. But then what happens is inevitably... 100% of the time, you will begin to have task-demoting thoughts. So it'll be like, oh, like I'm really tired today. The lighting is wrong. My desk is too messy or my kids are being too loud or um, I'm not feeling so good or I didn't have enough caffeine. I better go get a coffee or like all of these things that come into our minds that push off that scary task and we demote it. So it's a priority in our lives. We want a new job or we want to complete our taxes or we want to do, you know, whatever it is for you, like that big thing. And we set a time to do it like, okay, I'm going to do it today after lunch. And then that time comes and inevitably we have task demoting thoughts. So I want you to begin to be aware of that. It's very likely that your brain offers up the same types of thoughts to you every single time. So once I started noticing how my brain operates, like it doesn't have that many thoughts. It offers stuff like the same things to me over and over. So for example, one of my most recurring thoughts that holds me back from being successful is this thought right here. Ready for it? It's profound. Here's the thought. It's too much. This is too much. So any version of that, any flavor of this is too much. This is too much. They're asking too much of me. I can't handle this. It's too hard. It's too big. This is too much. And when I started noticing that, which is just in the last couple weeks that I have been seeing it in every area of my life, I realized, holy moly, this is affecting every single area of my life. And it's just a very simple belief that I have. I have this very 
simple belief that it's just too much. It's just too much. It's just too much. So I wonder what it is for you. What kind of task demoting thoughts are you currently having when you go to accomplish the big goal? What is it, that pivot point that causes you to start to procrastinate with other tasks that kind of make you feel good about yourself? Like, oh, I got the dishes done. Look at me. I'm like amazing. But really, in the end, you didn't do the thing that you wanted to do. One of the things that has worked the best for me is taking a very, very big goal, like find a job, and break it down into measurable steps that I can feel productive about. So for example, um, create a B minus resume would be my first step, okay? If I were to get a job working for someone else, which I doubt that's ever going to happen in my entire life, but let's just pretend, okay? Get a job working for someone else. I would create a B-minus resume. So it would not be my A-plus resume that I would send to all of my, like, you know, top companies that I would want to work for. It would be a B-minus resume that would just be like the bare bones. It would just be like something. Like I could send it to McDonald's and get a job right? Like I could send it to Office Max and get a job. I could send it to a company where I'm not like dying to work there, but it would, it would do. I would create a resume that would just be like, just okay. All right. And that would be something to show for. I wouldn't sit down to work on looking for a job. That is so overwhelming. Do not ever sit down to work on something. I want you to sit down to produce something. Sit down to have something to show for it. Now that's going to take some thought up front. It's going to take you like really figuring out what are the things that you can produce. You can produce a resume, a B minus resume. You can produce an A resume and then you can produce an A plus resume, right? Those are three different things that you could produce. Three different sessions where you could sit down and say, okay, let me get my B minus resume curated. And then you can come back to it and say, okay, now let's bring it up to an A. Then you can come back to it a third time and say, okay, let's bring it up to an A plus, right? So those are three separate things that you could produce. Then you could sit down and you could say, okay, I'm going to make my LinkedIn profile amazing. That's something that you can produce. That goes in the umbrella of looking for a job, right? So I'm going to sit down and make my LinkedIn profile amazing. Next, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to reach out to all of my contacts, you know, blah, blah. So what I'm saying is instead of just put like, look for a job on your calendar, break it down into measurable steps. This applies to anything. You can also apply this to taxes. Do not put work on my taxes on your calendar. Your brain is going to be like, absolutely not. We're not doing that crap. That's disgusting. We hate it. It's a no, right? But you could sit down and say, um, figure out the books for January through March of 2019. So figure out the books for Q1 2019, right? That's doable. Your brain knows how to do that. It's like, okay, I can do that. Next time you sit down and you figure out the books for Um, April, May, and June, Q2. Do you know what I'm saying? Like those are actionable things. So do not just put this big, huge overarching, or is it overarching? I'm not sure. Goal on your calendar. You have to break it down into actionable steps that are like, you know when you're done. So if the goal is to complete your taxes and you break it down into like 20 things 
that you have to do, and then you put those 20 things on your calendar, you'll know when you're done with the first thing, when you're done with it. So for example, collect and gather all of my information and receipts. That's step one. Let's just pretend, right? You can actually put that on your calendar. You're not done with that until you're done with it. So it's not like work on my taxes for two hours. That's so nebulous. Our brains do not want to do that. Our brains are going to look for like, oh, I should fold that laundry. Oh, I should do those dishes. Oh, I didn't exercise today. I should probably do that, right? I want you to make these steps so obvious. Another tip that I love to give people is to figure out a transition between your current life, like what you're doing in your day-to-day, and then moving into the difficult task of, for example, taxes or job search. So when I know that I have to record a podcast, this task for me is my hardest task. Uh, It takes a ton of my brain power. I feel inadequate, lots of self-doubt, fear of failure, shame, all that stuff, right? So one of the things that has really helped me is a transition task. So for example, I'm going to start working on my podcast at one and working on my podcast consists of like these seven steps. No problem, right? I already have that lined up. I already know what that is. But to transition into that, those steps can be very daunting because I know what's ahead. It's a mountain. It's my Everest and I have to climb it every week. It's, it's not easy, right? So one of the things that I figured out that really works for me is going for a walk. So if I can go for a walk around the block, and if I can kind of talk myself into this, then what I'm doing is I'm transitioning into the walk. Like that's easy. Taking a walk is easy and fun. That's no big deal. It's alone time. I get time to think. I get time to talk to myself like a crazy person. It's lovely. If I can transition into a walk and then talk myself into the task of podcasting during that walk, then I'm already ready to make that transition when I walk in the door. Then I walk in the door and I come right down and I start on, you know, step one of podcast recording. I hope that makes sense. So like find something that you can do that's like a bridge to your, you know, what you're doing during the day, it bridges you into the difficult task. So actually today, I did not go for a walk. Instead, I put on my noise-canceling headphones, I turned up music really, really loud, and I ate spaghetti while I danced around my living room. I didn't like intend to do it. It wasn't like, oh, I should put this on my calendar. But it just kind of like organically happened. And as it was happening, I was kind of like, okay, we're enjoying this moment. This spaghetti is delicious. It was left over from the weekend. Love it. And what's going to happen next is we're going to walk downstairs and we're going to start on the podcast. So it was like a really nice transition. It's not like I was parenting and I went immediately from parenting to podcasting. It's not like I was working on an email or in the business in another area and transitioned right from that to podcasting. There was a bridge transitional task. Those are very, very helpful tricks. So if you can find something to bridge the gap between you know, just like the things that you're taking care of in your life. And then you're like, okay, I have this two-hour block where I'm going to accomplish this big task. If you can make a bridge, uh, something to do to bridge the transition, that might be very helpful to you. And the last tip is this. Figure out how to manage the discomfort in your body. So it's very, very likely 
that these tasks, you know, the two that we're talking about today are doing your taxes or looking for a job. It's very likely that those tasks are going to bring a lot of discomfort to your body. It's very likely that you will feel emotions that you don't enjoy feeling. For example, failure, self-doubt, overwhelm, confusion, right? Those are not emotions that we enjoy. It's just not very comfortable in our bodies. But if you can anticipate that and say, hey, for two hours, I'm going to be willing to feel these emotions. I'm going to be willing to tolerate frustration for two hours. Now, the other 22 hours of the day, I'm not going to tolerate it. But for these two hours, I'm going to welcome it in, right? So there's really no way to do my resume without feeling self-doubt and frustration. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to feel good about it. And I can't wait around to do the task until I feel good about it. It's not going to happen. So for this time block, I'm going to allow these emotions to come. I'm going to see what comes up for me. It might be shame. It might be overwhelm, self-doubt, confusion, frustration. You fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. But I want you to kind of like allow yourself to feel uncomfortable in those moments. This is the key for all of us, allowing the discomfort so that we can accomplish what we really want to accomplish. If we could do it without discomfort, I would be all in, sign me up, I would figure it out, and then I would figure out how to teach it to you. I promise you, if we could do it without feeling gross in our own bodies, I would figure it out, it would be amazing, and then we could do it. But Unfortunately, tolerating discomfort is a huge, huge pathway to getting anything done. And it is something that adults with ADHD are not practiced at. So I want to invite you to start noticing how you procrastinate, the procrastivity tasks that you put in place of the high priority things that you're trying to get done, the little things that actually aren't that important that your mind wants to focus on because they're easier, they're more manageable, the steps are more obvious. Notice when that happens. Notice your task demoting thoughts. Notice how you want to put things off and say, oh, I can just do it tomorrow. Oh, this isn't the right time. Oh, I'm just not feeling you know, the right way that I should be feeling in order to do this. No, we're going to move forward and we're going to welcome discomfort and we're going to do the things that we want to do, the things that we know will get us the results that we want. I hope this was so helpful to you. Reach out to me, let me know what you think, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. If you're being treated for your ADHD, but you still don't feel like you're reaching your potential, you've got to join Focused. It's my monthly coaching membership where I teach you how to tame your wild thoughts and create the life that you've always wanted. No matter what season of life you're in or where you are in the world, Focused is for you. All materials and call recordings are stored in the site for you to access at your convenience. Go to IHaveADHD.com slash focused for all the info.